We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin, and welcome to the Thursday, December 20th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper and I are going to preview all the Week 16 games, but we are recording this a little after 9.30 Eastern on Thursday morning. And breaking news, won't be as breaking as when you listen to this, Josh Gordon is taking time to step away from the football field. This is, in real life terms, uh, please get better, Josh Gordon. Um, but we have to address the cold, hard fantasy football aspects of it, don't we? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. I mean, clearly, Gordon has been facing his demons for a long time, going back to his time in, in Cleveland and probably even at college uh, at Baylor. And I, I think the the slightly encouraging thing to me is that it, it seems like he recognizes when he needs to walk away from football because this isn't the first time this has happened. You know, this happened, I think, during training camp with the Browns, too. Uh, so hopefully, you know, Gordon and the people around him can you know, find the help that he needs to to get right again, and hopefully we'll see him playing again at some point, either in the playoffs or in 2019, because it, he's still showing that there is a 
a very intriguing skill set that he brings to the table. And uh, it's just important to get life where it needs to be first. Yep. Um, the, ex- the exact quote, I take my mental health very seriously at this point to ensure I remain able to perform at the highest level. I, is re- I have recently felt that, like I could have a better grasp on things mentally. With that said, I will be stepping away from the football field for a bit to focus on my mental health. I'd like to thank Coach Belichick, Mr. Kraft, as well as countless others within the Patriots organization for their continued support. I want to thank my fans for their support as well as I continue down the path to get back to 100%. Okay, so Josh Gordon, let, let, let's go short term here. Long term, fantasy-wise, hard to see him, even with his talent, getting a decent shot in 2019. At least I think that. I think it just depends on... You know, whatever organization has him, whether the Patriots retain him, whether he goes somewhere else as a free agent, but it, it's it's always going to be a lingering concern that that Josh Gordon's well being is such that he can't play. Like that that's just the truth. But I think what we're what we're gonna have to accept is that this could happen to anyone. We're familiar with it with Josh Gordon, but there's nothing that would prevent this from happening to anybody else at any time. I think it's just part of mental health that we're still as a society kind of learning how to, uh, how to deal with, how to understand, how to react to. So his future. Yeah. I mean, it's very much up in the air from a football standpoint. Uh, but I, I just think this is going to be something that increases in frequency in the years ahead. And, and we're all going to have to learn how to, Accept that. For some people, it's going to be really hard. For others, I think they've come to a place where they're like, "Yep, it's bigger than it's bigger than football, no problem." But you know, there's going to be jerks out there that have terrible reactions to this because it impacts their fantasy team, and yep. that's that's wrong. I'm just telling everyone right now that that's the wrong reaction. The man needs to address his mental health. It's important. Give him the space to do that. Uh, that's just. It's really simple. But again, I, I can't emphasize this enough. This can happen to other players. We're seeing this pick up a little bit as far as professional athletes realizing that they need time away sometimes. I mean, Kevin Love came out and talked about some mental health problems he was struggling with. And it's it's not it's always been there. But I think people are now realizing what type of help they might actually need. Okay. So back to the fantasy implications here. Josh Gordon exits the Patriots receiving core. Who benefits here? I mean, Edelman is what he is. Maybe he gets an uptick. You're playing him anyway. Gronk is what he is. Gets an uptick. Maybe you're playing him any. You're probably playing him anyway. Who else? Who who is attractive? I mean, literally right now, week 16, three days away, fantasy championships. Is is Philip Dorsett or Chris Hogan or James White? Is there someone who who kind of you know has a little light above their head that makes you go, "Hey, I think I want that guy now." Yeah, I think it's Chris Hogan who probably moves into the Gordon role, and <clears throat> Philip Dorsett kind of slides into the Hogan role. And the, I'm just looking at the Rotowire Team Trends page. I mean, back before the Patriots traded for Josh Gordon. They were also dealing with the absence of Julian Edelman due to suspension. At that time, Chris Hogan was playing you know, 90% of the snaps most weeks. And Philip Dorsett was even getting like 60 to 70% at a minimum and as much as 90% of the snaps in a few of those games. So I think because of, of Hogan having a continued role, 
even with Gordon and Edelman on the field together, I think that probably puts Hogan in a position to take on most of the Gordon role. And you're right, it, it could be, be a few extra looks for, for Gronk and, and Edelman as well, or even a James White out of the backfield or Burkhead or something like that. But I think Hogan would be the guy that moves from probably not someone you'd think about to maybe a fringe play for Week 16. Uh, in a matchup against Buffalo, I mean, the Patriots have one of the highest implied totals on the board, so you're looking at a lot of, of potential scoring output here. Uh, so I think Hogan's the one guy that, that gets the biggest bump to the point where you're actually making a different call on him for your lineup. Okay, I'm looking at the Rotowire Weekly Projections. I'm going to start at number 30 at wide receiver, Hogan or Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick, 30. Look at that. Uh, Hogan over Tim Patrick. Hogan or Golden Tate? Hmm. I think I, full PPR, I think I'd play Tate. Hogan or Chris Godwin? I'd play Hogan. Dallas is a pretty tough matchup. Two more. Hogan or Dante Pettis? Mm, that one's a really good one. Um, I think I'm going Hogan there, too, since Pettis has the Bears. All right, Hogan or number 34. We're going to talk about this guy later, Jordy Nelson. Uh, I got to go Hogan. I mean, right. I, I, I might be guilty of this for the bulk of this season. I might be rounding up on the Patriots and, and not not appropriately – assessing them for what they've really been this year. Right. But I, I don't have, there's, there's, there's a wart on every one of those players that you just brought up. Yep. All of them. And, uh, you know, I think Jordy, Jordy's one that 22 catches the last three games. I mean, 26 targets home against Denver. No Chris Harris. I, I could, I could see, I could see him and I could see Pettis with a big play, especially, being able to outscore Hogan. I just think I, I feel better about Hogan because of the offense he's in and because of the setup for this week. Okay. I'm going to do a few more of these because I want to settle in a, in a spot for Hogan here. 29, Hogan or Corey Davis? Uh, Corey Davis this week gets the Redskins. I would probably play Corey Davis, though. Okay. Callaway's 28th. Hogan or Callaway is not an easy one either. I would suspect. Uh, I man, the, I don't know the the Browns have the Bengals this week. I'd go Hogan over Callaway because Callaway can get volume, and a lot of those targets are way downfield. So they're they're low probability targets, which just gives him an amazingly low floor. Even though he could go off and win the week for you, so I, I'd go Hogan. All right. So you you've got you've got Hogan right now firmly. He's he's. Sneaking inside your top third. I mean, your rankings are not would not be the same as these necessarily, but you've got you've got Hogan firmly in Flexville with with the either ors that you're picking here. So. Yeah, and again, I'm, again, I might have the the brain that's just too focused on how much the Patriots are supposed to score this week, but you're talking about a guy that gets 10.9 yards per target. He's done that before in a complimentary role. Last year, it, it dropped a little bit, but there's big playability. He has a very good quarterback throwing in passes, and now it seems like the target volume is going to push closer to six or seven, which is right in line with most of those names we talked about. Yep. Okay. Folks, we're going to move on to our game-by-game previews. Before that, 
we're on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Hoppin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates at Rotowire NFL, and you can find us on Facebook. Okay, let's go to the Saturday games first. Redskins, Titans. Uh, Titans' big favorite, last I saw, was 10. Is, is this another Derek Henry smash spot? Sure looks like it. Yeah, by by every account, yes. I mean, with with Henry, it's like he's he's getting crazy good volume. Game scripts have been better the last couple of weeks. Hard to see Washington's offense, especially against the defense as good as Tennessee's, holding a a big lead throughout the game. It'd be a pretty big upset sort of scenario. Uh, so I do think this is another good spot for Henry, and it just it breaks me because I I had Derrick Henry in my home league, which is a, a three-keeper league if you use the contracts all at once. And I waited several weeks. It's a 10-team league. I finally cut him like in week seven. I think, I think I cut him the week he scored for the first time this season against the Chargers. And I thought, yeah, whatever. He scored, but he's still not getting volume. These last two weeks have yep. just been brutal because he'd be making a huge difference, and yet I'm still not sure in a small league if I'd be starting him because I, I might have Nick Chubb and David Johnson or something ahead of him. I mean, you should like Henry versus David Johnson is the thing you should be willing to do by now, but it's still really hard to do it. Yep. Um, it is the thing. And, and last week, I, 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 there are a few people last week I told, you know, come on, you can't play Derrick Henry. It was one game. You can't do it. And I mean, I, I, I whiffed, but now, I mean, now we have to buy in. You know, I, I just I, I thought I thought it was like tournaments only in DFS because the Giants have been so bad against the run like that. But I wasn't I wasn't locked in on playing him in season long leagues. I mean, I just thought, oh, he'll get 15 carries for 80 yards and maybe he'll score once, but maybe you won't. Right. It's weird. Deion Lewis is still a good player, too. But I guess they've basically the last two weeks. They're like, OK, this is what we're going to do. It's so weird. It, it just I mean. 49 snaps last week for Henry. He hasn't played, I think he played, he played 31 time back in week three against yes. the Jags. He had more carries last week than he had snaps in any previous game. That's that's wild. I mean, like I, I, it's working, so I, I understand why they're doing it, but why did it take them so long to commit to him? I, that's an excellent question, but they have. <laughs> and that's, you know, like I said, last week I didn't believe they had, but oh well. All right, so this game... Sure looks like a an easy Titans win. They're favored by ten. Um, so now the over under is thirty seven. So this is not a doesn't look like a high scoring game. So the you know projected points are what twenty three and a half for the Titans. Is Corey, Corey Davis looks like a tough play here? I mean, if you think the Titans are going to win, like I look at this and I go twenty four to seven. Do do you? Yeah. That doesn't leave a lot for Corey Davis, most likely. No, I mean, the thing about Corey Davis, though, he's getting eight yards a target this year. Gets six or seven targets most weeks. The floor is like three to four. But the ceiling is double digits. So give him seven targets and you know, eight yards per target is average. He's close to that. It's 56 yards. If you're in a PPR league, you're looking at hopefully six or seven catches. It gets you about 12 points. And if he scores, then that that makes it worth your while. If he doesn't, you're kind of just okay with it. Right. But I, I think we came up in the, in the toss ups against Hogan. Like, I think that's a pretty realistic sort of toss up is, well, do you trust the guy on the team that runs a lot and is supposed to win easily? Or do you trust the guy on the team that 
does everything and we can win pretty easily against the surprisingly good Buffalo defense too. I mean, I, I feel like I kind of was selling them short, but uh, at least based on the implied totals, the Patriots are supposed to crush it this week. Okay. Um, the other side of this one, I feel like when I see people's rankings and I'm looking at our projections, so Peterson's 32nd at running back. In, in the last two games where they've gotten kind of blown out, his snap count trial, like basically if they have to throw, he comes off the field. Last week at Jacksonville, it was a close game. The guy got 21 touches. I mean, he wasn't especially productive, but sometimes you have to chase volume. Like, what do you see? Do you, do you think the Titans are going to win big? And if so, does Peterson drop off your radar? It's, it's hard for me to look at a guy who might touch the ball 20 times and dismiss him. I mean, you can't dismiss them because if, if, if Washington gets the ball uh, and on one of their first few possessions, they, they drive and score. I mean, they can at least keep it close enough to keep Peterson involved. And you're right. When he peaks up into the 20-plus touch range on a pretty semi-regular basis, that's it's intriguing. I think I would, I'd be inclined to believe that Tennessee, especially at home with a lot to play for, can just overwhelm Washington's offense. I think the Redskins are going to have a really difficult time moving the ball. And with that, I just think they are going to be playing from behind throughout the second half. And it's probably going to be more of a, a 12 to 14 touch sort of week like we saw against uh, Dallas or even against the Giants in that blowout in week 14, as opposed to the 20 plus we've seen, including last week against Jacksonville and like week 10 against Tampa Bay. All right. So Josh Johnson, last week he was he looked competent. I mean, they played the Jack. Do, do you think this week? Like, I, I think o- overwhelm was a good word for me. I mean, the guy was a four string. He's a four string quarterback. You know, he was supposed to play. He was the first draft pick of the what the AAF. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I think last week he went. Oh, that was a pleasant surprise. This week, I don't think the pleasant surprise happens again. No, I I, I don't think it does either. But it's which is weird because I mean, like e- even playing well. He's 16 for 25 for 151 yards. Like yep. That's not that good. Tennessee's defense is probably tougher even, or just as tough as Jacksonville's right now. So it's a, it's a rough stretch of schedule. I mean, week 17, you want to get excited about somebody if you're playing DFS. Maybe Josh Johnson in week 17 against Philadelphia, against that secondary. Maybe he does some stuff and ends up being a good play that week. But a lot of, a lot of what Johnson does, I mean, is he extends plays and he can run effectively. It, more than 40 rushing yards for the second straight game. Um, so that's, that's the floor thing, but I also, I, I don't see, I don't see a path to using him. So, so not using him. Okay. I think where I, where I wanted to go with that was, do, is Tennessee a solid play against a team that can't score much and will be careful with the ball and will try to contract the game or is Tennessee's defense an elite play because they're playing against a four-string quarterback who could really screw things up. I think they're going to play. Yeah, I think they are too. I mean, I think you have to you have to look at a, a situation where an offense is very dysfunctional. I mean, there's no Jordan Reed out there either, so that's just right. one key piece that's missing. Running game is kind of one-dimensional. Uh, yeah, you get more Chris Thompson catching passes if you're if you're up on Washington, but I I see Tennessee's defense as being in a great spot. Okay. Me too. They're my top defense of the week. Uh, Ravens Chargers. Uh, Melvin Gordon full practice on Wednesday. Keenan Allen limited, but they sounds like Schefter reported this morning that they think he's going to play. 
Austin Eckler did not practice, which could make Josh, sorry, Justin Jackson a sidekick again. No hesitation about Gordon or Keenan for you against the Ravens, right? You, if they're active, you roll them. You roll them. It, it's a tough matchup to be sure, but they're they're just high enough up in terms of what they do every week. Where even in a tough matchup, you expect them to generally be a lot better than your next best option. I mean, especially Gordon. I think where where I get really goofy is with a guy like Keenan Allen in a two wide receiver league mm-hmm. in the matchup this tough because that means there's only. You know, 20 to 28 receivers probably starting plus flex. And you might be a little more loaded at wide receiver than you are in a three receiver league. So I'd uh, nine 95 to 99 times out of a hundred. Yeah. I'm playing Keenan Allen, probably a hundred out of a hundred. I'm playing Melvin Gordon. Okay. What are you doing with the, the Ravens running backs in this one? Ugh, um, yeah, not easy, it, right? It's not, I mean, I, I think Gus Edwards has the upper hand on touches, right? It seems that way. Right, but how confident are you? I mean, the Chargers defense hasn't been that great against the run. I mean, you're, you're pretty confident with Edwards and his, his heavy workload, even though it's generally on early downs. Yeah, I mean, man, you got you to gotta look at this, though, as a, as a game script thing, too. It's like, well, are the Ravens playing from behind a lot? If they are, then it's more Kenneth Dixon, but... If I had to play one, the edge would go to Edwards, but it's, I mean, it's a tiny, tiny difference because of, of Dixon's role in the passing game. Okay. Next up, Giants-Colts on Sunday. Uh, still no practice for OBJ. Pat Shermer was asked about shutting him down, and he said, well, we're not shutting him down, but, you know, he didn't practice Wednesday, so we don't. It, it, it's not a full-scale shutdown, but we still don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. Um, the Giants are... Uh, the Colts defense has been better than we all expected this year. Do you think the Giants are as helpless without OBJ this week as they were last week? They were without him against Washington a couple of weeks ago, though, and they, and they, they went won, crazy. Right? So I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to write them off. I mean, I'm a little scared, but Saquon Barkley is Saquon Barkley. And you and I have talked about this, I think, last week or two weeks ago. When, when Beckham doesn't play, Evan Ingram becomes a lot more involved. Mm-hmm. He goes from guy you can't use to guy that is like eight plus targets and Ingram's a matchup nightmare. So I, I think, I think the giants can find some ways to move the ball. Uh, I, I think you're, you're playing, playing most of your usual giants and that's a short list anyway. But yeah, I mean the Colts coming off a shutout of the Cowboys at home last week. Defense is better than people give it credit for. So it's, it's not a case where I'm going to be talking myself into like a, I don't know if if I was on the the fence about Sterling Shepard, I would probably just say, yeah, leave him out of your lineup. Okay. Um, so the Colts are big favorite in this one. The current spread is nine and a half. Marlon Mack last week we talked about him on I think Thursday or Friday. Kind of, I think we talked about Friday with DFS that that we thought the workload would bounce back, and it certainly did. So now he's in a game. He's coming off a 28-touch game where he got 139 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Now he's in a game where he's almost a double-digit favorite at home. I mean, this, this, is, this sort of checks every season-long and DFS box for a great outing, right? Yes, it does. I, I love it. The price is still low. Uh, DFS-wise, it's going to be chalky. Scott and I will talk about that later today, but I think it's good chalk. I think Marlon Mack is going to run wild on that Giants defense. They've been 
they've been bad against the run since trading away Damon Harrison. I mean, that's been said probably half a dozen times already on this pod since they made that trade. You have to take advantage of matchups like that. Volume should be there, like you said. Uh, We've seen Mac take advantage of of great matchups earlier in the season, had back-to-back 100-yard games in Week 7 and 8 against the Bills and the Raiders. I think he goes back-to-back with 100 yards here in Week 16. Okay. Is Luck going to be chalky, too? I don't don't see the numbers. Is is Luck a kind of a top-tier quarterback play for you? I don't think he will be chalky in DFS. I think he's probably a top seven or eight quarterback again this week with ease. I mean, he's played exceptionally well at home. T.Y. Hilton is still the wild card, the ankle. I don't know if it's going to let him continue to play or not. I mean, we're not going to know his status until game time most weeks because that's just where they're at right now. You take him away, that that does make me a little less interested in in luck. Uh, But he's got... What looks like a really good head coach in Frank Reich, who's fixed a lot of things that have been wrong with this team. It's been pretty amazing to see just how much the Colts have improved in, in their first year with him. So I, I'd say Luck, not not a must play in, in DFS, um, but probably a guy you're still leaning on in your season-long toss-ups uh, because he's at home and he's just been crushing at home all year. Okay. Let's go to Jags-Dolphins. Uh, sounds like Leonard Fournette's foot injury is gone. He'll be back. Should be okay. I, this is one, by the way. I can't believe the point spread on this one. How are the Dolphins only favored by four over, over the Jags at home? I, I don't think the Dolphins are very good. I know, but the Jags are horrendous. I mean, they're, the Dolphins. They're, I mean, are they're, ba- they're both bad. But but the Dolphins are better, right? I think they are. And and four points says to me that's that's basically the home field advantage. Bonus plus a little. I don't know. This one jumped out at me. If you're if you're doing the point spread thing. Um. So the Dolphins. So Frank Gore is out for the season, which is shocking because I thought he was a cyborg and never got hurt and always you know gained sixty yards a game forever and ever and ever. What do you think happens here with with Kalen Balage and Kenyon Drake? I mean, we wanted to you know say hey. I mean, our, last week when you heard Gore got hurt, you went, oh, Kenyon Drake, finally. It kind of didn't happen. Well, what do you think happens? I mean, Balazs is 6'2", 237. Like, that's a, a good kind of mix to have and, with him and ran on a early downs. A 4.44 That's combine, yeah. by the way. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just like you can kind of see how Balazs and Drake would fit in a backfield. And it's a lot like the Henry Lewis split in Tennessee. And I expect Miami to try and be more like current Tennessee where they're just leaning on the young guy. Adam Gaze doesn't have a lot of confidence in Drake as a workhorse. I think that was made pretty clear to us over the last 15 weeks. So I think it's probably at least a 50-50 split, and it could be a little more in the favor of, of Kalen Balazs. I mean, fresh legs this time of year for running backs, it's a great thing to have. <laughs> Going into last week, what do you have, eight carries in the season? I think so. Yeah, so I I, I don't I don't hate it. If, if you're trying to throw the desperation flex out there this week and you've had some injury issues, I'm kind of intrigued by Kalen Balazs. So uh, Cameron Wolf. The Dolphins beat writer for ESPN says Drake, who was expected to be the Dolphins lead back coming into the season, has become Miami's receiving and third down back. He's expected to continue in that role. 
Yeah. Also, That's... it'll be Balazs and Drake sharing the workload in Gore's absence, with Balazs likely to see the largest boost. All right. I believe it. I believe it, too. I, I, I can't believe it, but I believe it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Falcons-Panthers. Uh, Cam Newton sitting down, which we kind of knew was going to happen, and we've talked about for a couple of weeks that if you had Cam and you were targeting a Week 16 matchup with the Falcons, you needed to have a backup plan. Hopefully you have that backup plan. Um, as far as some of the other players, so DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel have been playable to varying degrees, more and more DJ Moore more playable than Samuel. Now Taylor Heineke starting. What does that make? If you're a DJ Moore owner, what are you doing? I am probably sitting all Panthers receivers. Yeah. And at least trying to say, I mean, if, if I've got good alternatives, I mean, Taylor Heineke, like what, what do we think he's good? No. <laughs> what's the, what's the, what's the feeling here? You know, the, the funny thing is a couple of things about, of why Taylor Heineke might not be a disaster. Because, you know, sometimes you get a, you get a backup quarterback and you kind of never heard of him. He's never played anywhere. You go, oh, no, he's not, the, he, he's not the, the Matt Castle who can come in and be, not that Castle's good, but you know what I mean, come in and be sort of okay and not kill you. And then you hear Taylor Heineke, you go, oh, where did this guy come from? All right, well, he, he's been with North Turner. He was with North Turner in Minnesota. So a couple of years in the system. That's A. B is he can run. I actually saw last night, I was looking at his college stats last night. His sophomore year, he played at Old Dominion. He ran for 470 yards and 11 touchdowns. Hmm. And he ran, I think, a 4-6. So he could be a guy that scrambles. I'm not, I'm not suggesting you start Taylor Heineke in your fantasy title game. No, no, but he's, he's like a Jeff Driscoll. Like there's, there's some basic ability there that could make him functional in right. that offense. Then. I just I, I worry when you're running a backup quarterback out there that you water everything down so much, get real run heavy. I, I, the thing I'm more worried about though with the Panthers is Christian McCaffrey being scaled back. Yep. Like what what incentive do you have if you're the Panthers to run Christian McCaffrey into the ground the final two weeks? Um. Well, I think I think there might be a pride aspect here that you don't want to go in and you don't want to finish the season losing eight in a row. Technically, you're not eliminated yet. Yeah, so I guess they could use that to justify using him a lot in week 16. But if if like he comes up with like a hammy or something on the injury report going into week 17, that then would surprise it. me. Yeah, I, 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 that's fair. Um, you talked about benching the receivers. I think I agree with you on the wide receivers. I wonder, I'm going to follow up with some of uh, my Panthers contacts on this. You, if the, the usual, the, the conventional wisdom narrative, whatever you want to call it, about the backup quarterback is sometimes you look for the chemistry of the, one of the backups, right? Well, I'm, I'm going to ask about, I'm going to mention Ian Thomas again because I talk about him every day, but he was a second team tight end behind Greg Olson for the first half of the season, pretty much. I wonder if there's something there. Backup quarterback, check downs, tight end, practice work there, there, there seems to be I, I want to see if this story I'm trying to tell here actually is real sure I mean that or uh, Jarius Wright maybe maybe 
because Wright doesn't run very deep routes. He runs stuff closer to the line of scrimmage. And I think if you have a quarterback that's inexperienced, he's going to try to get rid of the ball quickly. So it's going to be dink and dunk for the most part. And DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, I mean, they can run shorter routes too. That that would be really smart. Yep. Just have them run shorter routes, let them do stuff after the catch. But you know, Jarius Wright's the kind of guy that if he has that that familiarity already with Heineke, then maybe in tournaments he becomes that that Hail Mary play when you've got Chalk City up and down your lineup. All right. Um, other side of this one. Hey, Tevin Coleman, nice to see you. Finally. He did something. And now he's got he's got no Edo Smith blocking him anymore either. It's just gonna be Brian Hill instead. <laughs> Come on. Why, why you, they you, do you, that to us? You think I'm kidding, but I, I know, I, I know you're not kidding. I mean, they they know what Tevin Coleman is. Right. Come on. Come on, Falcons. Yeah, the Tevin Coleman thing. Okay, so how confident are you in starting Tevin Coleman? Um I mean, he's in the flex range. Played well last week. He's burned me a few times this year. I'm not going to hold that against him. I just think when you look at how they've used Edo Smith, you worry that they'll just plug Brian Hill into that same role or a similar role, and it's still going to be 15 or so touches for Coleman as opposed to like 20-plus. Right. And the downside, as we've seen, is more like 11. Okay. We're not telling anyone to play Brian Hill either. No, no, I'm not doing that. I just I think they might. I, I didn't think Edo Smith would play as much as he did once Devontae Freeman got hurt. Right. All right, Bengals-Browns. Um, Tyler Boyd, he's out for sure. Is he out for sure? Hopefully. I thought they were going to maybe put him on IR. He didn't practice Wednesday. They haven't put him on IR yet, but I. this is a clear, like, why would you even push it? Right, clearly a good player, important to your future. He's got something up with his knee. Don't don't make this worse. Okay, so with Denzel Ward back, most likely practice Wednesday for the Browns. John Ross, not last man standing, but best man standing in the Bengals receiving court. Does he become attractive at all to you just because there's really no other options or not? I I say no. Hmm. In this matchup, I, I guess you could talk yourself into it, but I think with Driscoll being under center, with so much going wrong for the Bengals, they could get completely wrecked by the Browns. Right. This, this game could get totally out of hand. I agree. And and Ross, they, I mean, look at the target volume, like six, seven, seven, three, four, five. That's, I mean, three, four, five is even with AJ Green out. So you take Boyd out too. Those targets got to go somewhere. Maybe maybe gets bumped up to six or seven again. Is that enough? I mean, yeah. from from Driscoll, probably not. Probably not is right. By the way, if this team does get out of hand in the way that Derek talked about, the Cleveland Browns will be will have a five hundred record. How about that? It's amazing. It's awesome. Um, Bucks Cowboys. So, is this? So you, you think about the Bucks. And you go, bad defense. Attack. So I'm cherry picking here. Last six weeks, the Bucks are actually 11th in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. They have, their defense has stabilized somewhat. 
Is Dak Prescott how good a play is Dak Prescott? I think he's an okay play. Uh, it's another kind of home versus road thing where I, I like Dak at home because the Cowboys they just seem to seem to be more comfortable in those spots, and, and we've seen that reflected in, in the splits this year. You're right about Tampa Bay. I mean, ever since letting Mike Smith go after Week Six, the defense has been still bad against the run, but at least kind of competent against the pass. Mm-hmm. So in season long, if you're looking at Dak versus Let's see who would who would actually be a, a fair sort of toss up, or maybe Dak's the kind of person you're looking at as a replacement for for Cam. Like you're, you're feeling pretty good about that, right? In this spot, you're feeling great about that. Yeah, if that's if that's what you can get, you're in great shape. Forty seven and a half over under, Dallas favored by seven. The team the team has been different, has been better since Cooper got there. I know this got shut out last week, but it, it's it's an offense that's been better overall than it was prior to Cooper's arrival, and I think they have. Little difficulty moving the ball against the Bucks this week. Okay, yeah, Dax. You, you talked about home away. So Dax home fantasy points at home games: sixteen point five, twenty one, thirty one point four, twenty one point three, thirty point three, eighteen point seven, thirty five. Pretty strong. Mm-hmm. So all right. Um, Zach Martin didn't practice Wednesday. Do you want any bucks in this game other than Evans? Is there any bucks on the table for you? Evans is fine. I mean, I, Byron Jones will probably try to cover him a lot, but Evans is just so big that whatever works against conventional wide receivers might not work against him. So, yeah, Evans is fine. It's, it's not great to see him going up against Jones, but I wouldn't sit him because of that matchup. I think the running game could sputter. There's so much of, so much of a mess in that Tampa Bay backfield. I wouldn't mess with that. I don't want Bray. I don't really want Godwin in most kids' situations for season long. So, yeah, it's kind of Evans or bust for me. Okay. Now we're going to go to Bill's Pats. Um, we talked about Josh Gordon and Chris Hogan and the Patriots receiving core. Um, LaShawn McCoy was limited Wednesday. Sounds like he's expected to play. Is there anything here? Who do you love for the Pats? Anybody? Is it Michelle? Is it Brady? Is it Gronk? Is it Edelman? Is there anybody you kind of you go and this this is the spot? I, I like Edelman again this week. I mean, I think Tre'Davious White playing on the outside probably impacts the other receivers more. Um, so he'd be the Patriot pass catcher I like the most. I actually like Sony Michelle a lot in, in a game where they're at home, almost two touchdown favorites. I think we're looking at a, a better game script for him, which pushes the carry load up closer to twenty this week. And more often than not, if you give Sony Michelle 20 carries, I think he's going to do good things. I think three of the four times he's had 20 carries this year, he's gone over 100 yards. I think that's something you might be able to get from him this week as well. And I think because it's been back-to-back weeks where he's been under 60 without a touchdown, people might be a little sour on Sony Michelle. But mm-hmm. this is a good spot for him. I agree. Um, all right. Also, by the way, they've talked about this week there's been some movement, not movement, some buzz in the Boston media about, hey, they're not using James White anymore. And Josh McDaniels got pressed on a little and he went, yeah, we actually do need to get him the ball more. Take that however you like. Could be Coach Peak, Could be not Coach Peak, But, you know, think about it. But this was the last game when they played, I think he caught 10 passes when they played the Bills on that Monday night game. So just keep it in mind. Vikings-Lions. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about Kenny Galladay running into this murderer's row of corners. 
It was Patrick Peterson and Tredavious White, and then this week, Xavier Rhodes. So the first week, Peterson, you know, helped shut down Galladay to a point anyway. Last week, Galladay did well against Tredavious White, but you could argue that maybe the size difference, like Tredavious White's a smaller corner, and Galladay's a big guy. So maybe there's a, you could you could kind of make an you could you could kind of construct a reason why that wasn't as bad of a matchup for Galladay, even though Tre'Davious White's very good. Now Xavier Rhodes comes back as this sort of big long corner fighting Galladay. What do you what do you do? What are you thinking if you're a Galladay owner? I think you can look back at like week nine. You see three for forty six. Yeah, and the opportunities were there. I think he had eight targets that week. That was only four. As okay. I I don't. It's kind of surprising. So I don't know if Stafford goes away from him quite that much, but I do think this falls back under the tough matchup umbrella for, for Kenny Galladay. The Travis White point is a good one. And there was one thing Mario Puig on, on the Friday XM show said, hey, look, people are going to be afraid of, of Travis White, but Galladay has like a five or six inch height advantage mm-hmm. and big wingspan advantage on him. So it probably probably won't impact Galladay all that much. And yeah, they, they, I mean, it's the best game of the year from a yard standpoint. Uh, Galladay, who who are you playing over him in season long leagues right now? You mean if you had who realistically could you have? Yeah, like in what what circumstances are you benching him right now? I don't know. I I I don't have one. I have him in sixteenth for the week. So yeah, I don't have one. How about this? How about this? I, I got one for you. Tyler Lockett against the Chiefs. Someone could have Tyler Lockett as, as one of basically Galladay and Lockett as two of three receivers with, a, with another good one because Galladay and Lockett were both drafted kind of late. I mean, if we're, crea- yeah. if we're hy- creating hypotheticals, what would you do? <sighs> Galladay gets more targets. Galladay has had like eight targets, I think, in four of his last five games. Tyler Lockett hasn't had eight targets in a game all year. Yep. But Tyler Lockett needs fewer targets than anyone to do damage. 12.7 yards per target this season is just absurd. That matchup has shootout potential. I think the the matchup is, is a lot easier for Lockett. So my lean would be Tyler Lockett, especially if you're just in like a non-PPR or a half-PPR league. I think where it gets really dicey is in full PPR. I think that's where you might be looking at Galladay's floor and saying, yeah, you know what, five catches for 65 yards is a lot safer than the possibility that Tyler Lockett only gets a couple of targets. But I, I think Lockett gets a little more involved this week, so my lean would generally be Tyler Lockett. That's okay. a great place to draw the line, though. Uh, okay, so Kirk Cousins, what are we doing with him? He is in the weekly QB rankings. We have him at number 15. Last week in the uh, first game post Filippo. He threw 21 times in a large, what, 41-17 win? 14 out of 21 for two touchdowns and an interception in a game where Mike Zimmer said he wanted to run. Last time they played the Lions, Cousins 18 for 22, 164. The Lions are gettable through the air for sure. In the last, let's see, like six weeks again, they're, they're in the bottom third of the league against opposing fantasy quarterbacks in terms of points allowed. What are you doing with Cousins? 
like the matchup from a can they move the ball and, and put a point standpoint, but they may not have to. They might just go with that Dalvin Cook first game plan. So my lean with the Vikings to go more heavily with, with Cook than Cousins. And, you know, you're using Thielen and Diggs like you normally would, even though Thielen's been a, a bit of a, a lull in recent weeks. Uh, but Cousins is kind of fringy. Like if you had Cousins and Dak as your two quarterbacks, you're playing Dak this week at home against the Bucks. Right. Okay. Um, Packers Jets. What's up with Aaron Rodgers? He's playing apparently. Okay. Are we sure? Because Philbin said we're not shutting him down. We got games to win. But then I thought I saw a report this morning that said, well, maybe. He, fu- he fully practiced on Wednesday. And okay. the Packers are back to being three-point favorites again. But that line has been moving around. Like, I think there was some some early week speculation by the odds makers that Rodgers wasn't going to play, and it's now flipped back to the Packers being three-point road favorites. So that that kind of says, like, well, they expect him to play. Okay. Other side of this one. Uh, there There have been some pickups this week. Elijah McGuire more so than Robbie Anderson, but Robbie Anderson played well last week, so they've become more popular. What are you, what are you telling their, the owners of both of them? Do you like them both, like one more than the other? I mean, I know they're not against each other, but both of their owners, are you suggesting, what would you suggest to people on that? I'm Eric on the side of playing Robbie Anderson especially because I think the Packers' secondary can be had. Uh, I think when you look at Anderson, the targets getting scaled up is really encouraging, at least seven each of the last three games. This is the best matchup he's had maybe all season. So I, I, I like the chances of Robbie Anderson having another big game. And, and McGuire, I mean, if, if, the, if the Jets were to fall from you know, fall behind, we know he catches passes, right. so he's not going to disappear. So he's not a bad play either. Like I, I think I'd play Elijah McGuire over Adrian Peterson this week when you count for matchups and how you expect the games to play out. I think I would too. McGuire, last two weeks, 20 touches against the Bills, 21 against the Texans. Uh, Speaking of the Texans, Texans-Eagles. So last week, Josh Adams kind of was in and out of that game against the Rams with a back issue. And Wendell Smallwood came in and contributed. He scored a touchdown, I think, right? And so so this week, what do you look? I mean, could you look at Wendell Smallwood for your fantasy title game and go, yeah, I might be able to do that. I I don't think I could do that. I don't think I'd do it with either of them. No, it's just chaos right now. Houston's not a bad defense either. I I think... Philadelphia can match up pretty well with their passing game against Houston. I think having that full suite of weapons healthy, you know, having Jeffrey and Tate and Aguilar and Ertz all ready to go, that creates some matchup issues for Houston defensively. And I think it's all going to ride on Nick Foles this week. The running game might move the ball, but I have no read on how they intend to divide those touches. Yep. And it, it could be split up into... Three pretty equal pieces, which is not at all a good thing if you're trying to rely on one of those guys. Not one bit. All right, other side of this one. Lamar Miller, day-to-day with his ankle injury. That would lead to some Alfred Blue, but you're in a matchup against the Eagles' run defense, which is not a great place to be, even though they haven't been as good this year. Let me see what they've been lately. Actually, they've been getting gashed lately, if you look at the numbers. Last six games, 27.7 fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs, 749 yards from rushing and seven touchdowns. That's terrible. I'm on. I'm on team never Alfred Blue. <laughs> so you're so you're you're not on team Deontay Foreman either if he's active. Uh, Foreman is more interesting to me, but I <clears throat> I just don't know if they have any 
interest in actually making him a workhorse right off that injury. Right. I agree. All right, Rams-Cardinals. Uh, Rams are a huge favorite here, even though they've been struggling. They've lost two in a row. I think covering the spread, you look at this big spread, I think they're 1-5-1 one, and one in their last seven against the spread. I mean, they're not, they, they, they're, they're, they're off a beat from where they were early in the year. Todd Gurley, knee inflammation the other night. He's expected to play. So if you own Gurley and he's active, you're obviously playing him. But how worried are you? Like, let's say DFS-wise, which we're going to talk more about tomorrow. Do you worry that, Gurley, that you know, the Rams will be up 20 to nothing half and they'll go, hey, Todd, you and your knee inflammation, why don't you take a seat? Yeah, I mean, they, they could decide that before Sunday's game, too. Right. They could. They're huge favorites. Mm-hmm. Arizona's the worst team in the league by some measures. Like, Massey Peabody has them as the worst team in the league. They're bad. I think they had the worst point differential. On a neutral field, the Rams be favored by about 16. Yeah. And I think, what are they actually favored by? 13? 13 and a half? I've got, let's see, the current spread, I've got 13 and a half or 14, depending on where you look. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe maybe because of the girly uncertainty, you'd, you'd back the Cardinals and take the points because they're at home. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I um, I really don't. I don't feel good about Gurley this week. Okay. Rel- relative to how I normally feel about Gurley. If he's active, of course you're playing him. Right. But I just, I, I wonder if they look at that game and say, we need him fresh for the playoffs. We can win this game without him. Let's just go do that. Okay. Other side of this game. I mean, it's only, it's only David Johnson. And that's it. There's nothing else you can really think about. So, um, all right. Bears Niners. Matt Breida. Brita's to be determined, right? He got hurt again this week, and his status seems to be up in the air. Let me check the latest on his player page here. He's limited on Wednesday's practice report. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess we got to wait and see on this, if you're going to do the Jeff Wilson thing or whatever. How do, do you think the, Bear, the Bears have been not as good on the road? I'm not as scared. I don't look at this. If, if I have Brita and he plays, I don't look and go, oh my God, I can't play him against the Bears because the Bears are awesome. Because on the road, they've been like, yeah, they're, they're fine. I, I'm surprised this line's not bigger. I, I really am. I mean, I look at San Francisco, to me, at home should be about a, a seven-point dog, and I think they're only like a four-point dog. Okay. That's, that's not enough. The, the Bears' defense should destroy Nick Mullins. Brita being hobbled, he's been dinged up for two months, I think, now with this ankle injury. So I'm not really surprised by that. He could play through it. Uh, the Bears are really good against the run, so I think he, he has to beat them out in space in the passing game. I, I think the Bears roll in this spot. I, I'm really surprised the line's not bigger. Um, the other side of this, this is funny. You know, some teams we look at, and, you know, the, the one phrase is, you know, the skinny receiving tree, for instance. You look at the Vikings and you go, all right, I know what I'm doing. I got Thielen, I'm starting him. I got Diggs, I'm starting him. I got Cook, I'm starting him. You got Cousins. Yeah, usually I am. The Bears are full of maybes for fantasy. Don't you think? I mean, mm-hmm. Every up and down the line, every guy has a, well, I play him sometimes. I mean, Cohen's become a guy who you kind of play every week if you have him, especially if you're in PPR. But generally... Like I, I, every week I go in and I go, oh no, I gotta. What am I gonna do with Allen Robinson, or Trey Burton, or Jordan Howard? Like, do do you? Is there any in this game because you like the Bears so much? 
it seems to me you'd probably like you probably lean Jordan Howard if you think they should be a bigger favorite. Yeah, I, I think the Jordan Howard narrative makes a lot of sense to me this week, and I think San Francisco on the outside has really struggled to cover receivers, so I think this is a good spot actually for Allen Robinson as well. He's had at least 20% of the team's targets in five of the last six games. Like Since coming back from that injury in Week 10 against the Lions, uh, you know, factors in a couple games that, that Chase Daniel played. He's still getting a large percentage of what they have to do through the air. And even if they are, even if they were bigger favorites, he'd be interesting to me because they're they're not favored the way I expect them to be. I'm a little more confident that Robinson can go off and have a pretty good week this week. Okay, Steelers Saints play everybody here. Well, not everybody. There's one guy I want to talk about in a minute. Sounds like James Connor, uh, one of the beat writers, Ed Bouchette, I think tweeted out that he doesn't think James Connor is going to be ready, which we thought. After going into last week, the, the, the story seemed to be, well, yeah, by week 16, he should be ready to go against the Saints. Now it doesn't seem that way. I mean, you got Jordan, you got Jalen Samuels' role, baby, right? Yeah, I think it's another good spot for Samuels. I mean, the Saints have been good against the run, but Samuels is so dynamic in the passing game, and you know, Pittsburgh just finds ways to move the ball. So could get some opportunities to carry the ball in close as well as, as catching those passes and, and getting the bulk of the carries. So Samuel's definitely a, a good play again this week, despite the saints having a lot of success stopping the run this year. Okay. I have a, we're going to work on my team for one of my teams for a minute. I'm in one title game only. I have a tight end choice. It's on Yahoo between Jalen Samuels and George Kittle. Hmm. Right. It's hard. It is, it is actually very difficult. Because they're playing. Kittle's got the Bears. What are they against opposing tight ends here? And Kittle's Pretty. not normal. I mean, like, he's, he's just, there's not, there's right. not really tight ends like him. Over 10 yards target this season with backup quarterbacks. But, I mean, Samuels will touch the, in a game with a 56 over under, and he's probably going to touch the ball 20 times. Hmm, I think... I think you have to go Samuels here. Oh, yeah, I think I do too, which I can't believe I'm going to bench George Kittle for my fantasy championship game. It's really weird. It's because of the Yahoo tight end thing? Yeah. It's an, it's an unusual circumstance. I mean, I, I, I don't know how San Francisco is going to move the ball against the Bears defense. I really don't. Okay. It's going to be a brilliant coaching job by Kyle Shanahan if they can do that. Uh, I think, but we've seen it before, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, okay. Other side of this. So, so Steelers again, this is another one. I mean, you, you kind of want to start everybody here. You know, I mean, Juju's probably, I think Juju's going to go crazy. I mean, but you start Brown and Roethlisberger and all that stuff. The Saints, Breeze, Kamara, Ingram, Thomas. What about if you're looking to swing for the fences a little bit? What about any interest at all in Traquan Smith or is he too inconsistent? They just don't seem like they want to throw him the ball that much. Like that's that's where my problem. Like I, I like the player. Four targets last week. Kamara had nine. Thomas had nine. I mean, uh, Traquan got a little more than Keith Kirkwood and Dan Arnold mm-hmm. and Josh Hill. But why not a lot more? Why not six or seven targets? I don't okay. know. I it doesn't doesn't add up. I mean, since having the thirteen target game where he went off against Philly, he missed the following week, which was I guess it was a Thursday. 
has one, one, and four targets the last three games all on the road. So I guess if you're looking for a reason to to just be high on the secondary Saints pieces, is that they have also been much better at home than on the road this year. Right. Small sample stuff. I get it. I just that that's my one kind of redeeming thing that's like well at dallas pretty tough at tampa bay not as easy as it was earlier in the year as we talked about and at carolina with the panthers season hanging the balance i mean that was a a reasonably tough stretch of schedule with three straight on the road last three home games for traquan smith three for 111 and two two for 23 and one 10 for 157 and one I know the target volume was only high in one of those games. But this is one where the Steelers can, I think, counterpunch whatever the Saints do, keep things going, and and this could be a high-volume game for the passing game. Yep. It should be. Yeah. All right. Chiefs-Seahawks, Sunday night. Good game. Will the uh, Seahawks... Are the Seahawks going to run on these guys, do you think? I mean, they run on everybody, right? Yeah, I think Chris Carson's in a really good spot because it sounds like Rashad Penny's not going to play. Uh, it's possible that he does, but it, I, I just it's not trending in the right direction. I guess Mike Davis is still a factor. He's going to catch some passes, but uh, I, I think Seattle is such a, a battle of contrasting styles. You know, Brian Schottenheimer wanted to be so run heavy in Kansas City, just being a, a laser show. Like you look at it and think. Well, this is the Russell Wilson attempts getting scaled up game. What's he going to do with all those extra attempts? Right. Um, Chief side of this. Ware was limited at Wednesday's practice. So you've probably got some owners out there. I bet the Damian, I bet anyone who grabbed Damian Williams last week and played him has a decent shot to still be alive. What do you, if Ware is active, what do you think? I don't think Damian Williams just kind of goes back to doing nothing. He might still have the pass-catching role. They might give him a series or two more than they would have otherwise because he played really well with the opportunity. But I mean, Ware had 20 touches the last time they were both active together, and that was in a really yeah. tough matchup against Baltimore. And he turned that into 129 yards. So I still think it's his job. And you're, you, if he's active, you're playing him. If you have Williams, I think Williams kind of falls into like James White territory this week if uh, if Spencer Ware is active. Okay. Finally, Monday night, Christmas Eve, Broncos Raiders. Well, let's go back to Jordy. Jordy's caught 22 passes in his last three games. And the Broncos are kind of beat up in the secondary a little bit. I, 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 think, I think there's a, you know, depending on what else you have, of course. I think Jordy's a pretty decent play this week. I think Jordy over the more I've thought about this over the course of the episode, Jordy over Chris Hogan is probably something I would do because of the volume, because Hogan played a lot of snaps earlier in the year with those other guys out and he wasn't getting a lot of targets, right? But he may have been drawing tougher coverages at that time. So that's got to be factored into the analysis as well. I just think for one reason or another, Jordy Nelson has been the focal point of that passing game the last few weeks. And as you said, with Denver being so banged up, another six or seven targets in that matchup could be pretty good. It's just weird. He hasn't scored since week five. Like choosing to start a receiver who hasn't scored since week five is tough to do. Yep. In in the Raiders offense, which at times looks so lost. 
The other side of this one, the Raiders, again, you know, in the last six weeks, the Raiders have been in the top half, although they've, give, they've given up nine touchdowns to wide receivers in the last six games. Do any of these Broncos receive? Like, none of them seem trustworthy. I think you, you could make a case for playing Deshaun Hamilton in PPR. Otherwise, I mean, Patrick's actually had two good games, but I, when I brought him up earlier, you kind of were like, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, a hard, hard pass for me on, uh, on Tim Patrick. I I think Hamilton, because of the target volume, it's been right around 25% these last two weeks, probably gets the edge. Sutton versus Patrick is close for me, and they're both probably out of my lineup. So Hamilton's the one I, I'm kind of exclusively interested in from that group. All right. Are you going to be watching the Christmas Eve game? Uh, it'll be on in the background. Um, we have a family gathering on, on Christmas Eve during the evening. So, you know, we'll... I'll have one eye on it, probably. Right. If that. I mean, I, if I'm being totally honest about it, I, we'll, we'll see how matchups play out. If anything's riding on that game, maybe I'll pay closer attention to it. But I, I don't want to ignore my family for Broncos Raiders. I totally agree with you. And I think I've told you we have the uh, the Christmas Eve, you know, I make pizza blowout thing. Looking at the invitation list, there's 89 people on it. You have 89 people that you invited to a party? Yes. Where do you, where do you put them in your home? In the backyard? Um, some backyard. My, my house is, the new house we got has got some space. Let's put it that way. All right. So you got a, you got a giant house. It's, it's large, yes. 80, 89 people. Like that's, that's even bigger than the, the uh, wife's family event that I'm going to. Yeah. I mean, you, got the, you have the big Thanksgiving gathering, you said, right? It's the same, uh, same side. It's, the, it's you know, the Italian family. Like It's just massive. Got it. Yeah, I got to get my clam pizza game, my white clam pizza game ready for Monday night. Yeah, it's, like a, it's a definitely like New York thing, isn't it? Yeah, I like that one. Good. Very garlicky. Any, anyone out there, I'll make it for you if you're around. I so. mean, I, I'm, you're, half the people listening to the podcast are probably on your invitation list. <laughs> So I think, yeah, I think last year, I don't know if I told you, I, last year I made 11 pizzas. Only 11. I couldn't, I mean, literally there was no more I could do. It was, that was the, I mean, it was nonstop pizza making. You ran out of ingredients? No, no I mean, I, there's not time because basically it's kind of an open house thing. It's not like, hey, everybody comes and leaves at the same time. It's more of a, hey, come anytime between, you know, six and nine. And I just stand at the stove and at the kitchen island, I make pizza until literally no one else is eating or I just can't. I mean, you know, by the, I make pizzas until the place, until the thing stops. And last year, we got to the point on people where I, I decided I, I didn't worry about not making enough pizza anymore because I literally couldn't keep up. I mean, two, you know, I mean, 11 pizzas, they're in the oven for 10 minutes at a shot. That's two hours right there. You know, it is what it is. So you, what are you making, like like these little like like Neapolitan style ones? Yeah, I mean, I mean I've got a 15 inch pizza stone. Um, I don't know. That's it. Nice. Well, yeah. you should. I mean, have you ever thought about making your own pizzeria? I mean, it seems like you have a very deep interest in pizza. I like I like making the pizza. That was when when I when we got married and did the registry thing. I mean, I wasn't the, you know, hey, you go pick everything out. That's not me. But the one thing I definitely wanted was the pizza stone. I like it. I've got, you know, four or five trays and, you know, the minutes 
Hardcore. I actually told my wife, I, I broached last week the idea because I have a big green egg in the backyard. And I broke out the idea of what if we hired someone to make pizza on that so we could double everything. And she looked at me, she's like, you want to hire somebody to cook on Christmas Eve. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> well, the price on that might be a little steep. We can make more pizza. She's like, yeah, I don't think so. I'm just saying, if you're inviting 80 plus people over to your house to make a lot of pizzas, like you're, you're kind of running a pizzeria for a day. If, if you yeah. really enjoy it, you could, you could open a pizzeria and hire some help and make pizzas on days you want to and, and have your, your associates you know, cook them on days you don't. Yeah, I don't know. Open restaurants, are, that's a hard business. It's it's got a high failure rate, but yeah. when you hit you you hit big. It's got, it's like a GPP. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really that's really right. big GPP. That's all it is. Yeah. So I got to make probably twelve or fourteen pizza doughs before Christmas Eve. That's a Friday project or a Saturday project. That's a big uh, that's a big project. Well, yeah. I hope you hope you enjoy it. I mean, we'll talk again before then. But are you, are you experimenting with the toppings at all? Like this year, anything new? No, I mean, I'll do cheese and because the kids like cheese and then I'll do the clam because I have, I have people who tell, literally tell me I'm coming for the clam pizza. <laughs> so how many out of the 11 you made last year, how many were clam? I think probably five or six. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Because some people, like I have one of my friends, uh, a friend of mine's mom and dad come up from Florida and like he, he, the, the dad jokes, like I'm just, you know, i I better have a slice of clam pizza <laughs> does anywhere uh, any place you've been in charlotte actually have clam pizza or, no, or i haven't had it so you could you could corner the market on this i could i could corner the market on clam pizza that's true this sounds like a gpp with some overlay <laughs> suggest i'll open a clam pizza shop it's like well, you, it's you, like you got planned his left-handed store on the simpsons Right, you can't, you can't, you can't just be clam, but it, that that can be the pie that you're known for. Mm-hmm. You've you got to have one pie that doesn't scare people that you're also really good at making, especially. Yeah, and the cheese is it's fine. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll take it under advisement. On, yeah, on pizza. Run, run, run to buy some investors, see what they think. <laughs> That's right. Do you want to invest in my clam pizzeria? <laughs> just, I'm just imagining you like walking into a bank with a pizza stone. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing a suit and like, hey, thinking about <laughs> opening up a pizza joint. What do right. you think? <laughs> My apron on and all that. That'd be great. <laughs> all right. What else you got going on? Uh, DFS article comes up later today. The DraftKings one. FanDuel comes out, I think, on Friday morning from Kevin Payne. So I'm working on the DraftKings article and uh, some some Outlook stuff for the magazine. Actually, for a different project. But, you know, a little bit of baseball in the background as football winds down but mostly just pushing through these last few days of football got it dfs pod later today friday pod with you tomorrow xm tomorrow lots of talking all right yeah you and i are going to be here we're going to record at about 2 30 eastern friday so we'll have the show ready by about between 3 30 and 4 eastern uh if you're getting ready for it folks listeners to this podcast get a free 10-day rotowire trial rotowire.com slash pod no credit card needed for that that lets you check out nearly all the features on the site take a look now rotowire.com slash pod uh, if you like the podcast, please leave us reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Like I said, Derek and I will be back on Friday afternoon to cover the latest news, injuries, all that stuff. So please come on back. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.